When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When I think about that and I do try to go deeper in those feelings, it's a very overwhelming, all-consuming sense of pressure of now I have to really dedicate myself to being able to measure up and meet that standard. Mm. And it's like very scary to do on my own. This is the first of its kind on the Dear Young Mary Couple podcast. Today, we're going to be interviewing or actually doing an on-air counseling session with Alex Clark from the Spillover podcast. And here's what Alex said in preparation for this interview. I'm 30 years old. I've never been married, but I want to be. I've dated every type of guy you can think of, used apps, been set up, met in real life, been on a reality dating show, but it still doesn't seem to be working out for me. And in this episode, we dive into not only romantic relationships, but a much more important relationship that she gets really raw about. And I respect her for doing this. It took a lot of uh, courage and bravery to put herself yeah. out there and process this stuff with you guys listening in. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about her. She's an incredible gal. We got to meet her and really see her off air and just how she interacts. Um, she is the real deal. She means what she says. She's um she's really an influencer, not in the social sense of the word only, mm-hmm. um, but she's an influencer because she's a leader. She has leading thoughts when it comes to the conservative movement, politics, and she actually created a group called the Cute Servatives, <laughs> which is female, young female women in America that are interested in pop culture and politics, and she really melds yeah. the two together really well. Yeah, so much respect for her and what she's doing, and it was an honor to work with her. Um, and part of the homework that we gave her, um, we're, we're wanting to help you along with her because I know that so many of you are going to resonate with her and what she's going through. So we, we, uh, actually linked the tool that we sent her after the fact, um, we linked that in the show notes. So if you want to follow along and, and work on yourself with Alex, um, it's there in the show notes. Yes. So in the show notes, we have a link to the Spillover podcast where you can find on all of your major podcast um, platforms. And then we also have a link to Alex's resources. So her Instagram and her social and then a book we recommended. Anything we talk about in the episode, it's all in the show notes. Yes. Go follow her and tune in with an open heart and listen to someone doing the hard work courageously. Welcome, Alex, to the podcast and to our counseling session. We're so thankful you've chosen to come on with us today. You know, this is uh, the most different interview I've ever agreed to do in my career, I think. I'm I'm nervous, but I'm ready. Aw, you rock. 
you're you're a true hero to be able to say, hey, I'm willing to be vulnerable in order to process through some stuff and hopefully help a lot of people along the way. Yeah, I, I think when people hear you, be, just because, first of all, this takes so much courage, but when you go out there and show like, hey, you're a normal person with mm-hmm. normal feelings and a history, it gives them courage too to face the things that they're really not wanting to look at. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so huge, huge respect. And thank you for trusting us as well. That's, that's a big deal. Oh, absolutely. I I can't imagine a better couple to kind of go through this with. This is definitely a part of my life that it is very painful for me to walk in and Mm -hmm. through and explore. And every time I talk about it, I get emotional. So um, I'm I'm already kind of preparing myself that I'm going to get into some uncomfortable emotional territory. But I hope that, you know, by the end of this, there will be some growth for me through doing that. Good for you. Yeah. And that's okay if you get into some deep emotions and you know, if you find yourself laughing at a time when you think it should be serious, there's no shoulds. So you can laugh and you can cry and you can experience pain. Even that can be helpful toward healing. So that's what this is about today. So thank you for being willing to go there. Yes. So the first question when we're meeting a client for the first time, we like to ask, what would make this session beneficial for you? Like, what would you like to walk away with um, as a goal to kind of aim our way there? I think at this point, I'm really looking for some peace around the fact that I'm single and not married yet at 30 and um, just hope that potentially that's still going to happen. Um, And I'm sure that you guys will have me get more into it. But lately, I've just been feeling like I'm not even sure that that is really going to happen for me. Um, And I know people are probably thinking, well, you're, you're, you just turned 30. Like, why are you having these thoughts? But it's been a lot of serious relationships my entire life back to back. All of them I've been taking very seriously dating for marriage Mm -hmm. and none of them have worked. So to me, it doesn't feel like I've only been doing this for, you know, a few years. I've only just now gotten serious about dating. I feel like I've been serious about dating since I was a teenager. So it's, it's just been a long time. Yeah. Working through that. So I would say at the end of this, I would love to just have some peace about this season of my life where right now it feels very up and down emotionally. Okay. Mm. Okay. Good. That's what we're going to aim for then. Okay. Some peace. When you say that you feel some pain around this, you've mentioned that I think twice now that you have, it's very painful for you to walk through this season. Are you referring to the fact that you are single or the idea that you may never have a spouse I think it's the it's more of the idea that I'll never have a spouse. I think that I always thought my entire life I would be married with kids by 25. When that didn't happen, I thought, oh, it's going to happen by 30. And now that I'm at 30 and I still haven't found that person, I'm like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just had your 30th birthday. So it's kind of a I- realization. Yeah. And I think that the I was dreading my 30th birthday because I knew that 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 approaching my 30th birthday meant um, coming to terms with not accomplishing one of my big life goals, which was Mm -hmm. to be married and be a mom yet. Uh, So now I feel that pressure even more mm -hmm. of, I need to Mm -hmm. find somebody that's right for me and get married and have kids because my biological clock is ticking. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of women my age, if they're not married yet, they feel that pressure. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So when you say that you thought you were going to get married and have kids at 25 and then 30, what gave you that thought growing up? Tell us a little bit about your background, your upbringing that led you to these ideas. Well, my parents have been married for over 30 years. I grew up in a Christian conservative home. They were high school sweethearts. I assumed that since my parents met at such a young age and have stayed married and very happily married, I've never seen my parents fight. Um, Now I've seen them have disagreements, but I've never seen my parents have a knockout, drag out fight or anything like that. Um, They've seemed to really be good at communicating with each other over the years. I just assumed that marriage, because it came so easy to them, that it would come easy to me. Mm -hmm. And so I would enter all of these serious relationships with various boyfriends thinking if I put up front what I'm looking for and what I want, that that's going to bode better for me. So I always, you know, even on the first date, I say I'm dating for marriage. This Mm -hmm. is what I'm looking for, different things like that. And every time the guy says, oh, absolutely, I agree. I'm looking for the same thing. And then like clockwork, about six months to a year in, every boyfriend I have had will say, I didn't know it was going to get this serious. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the idea of marriage. I'm not ready for serious commitment every time. And so I get, I get, uh, very invested and I'm taking it mm. very seriously. And then I'm put, you know, it's, I have to start all over essentially. Which probably brings up another fear of, okay, puts a lot of pressure on that first meeting. If you're worried about, are you just going to let me down? Like all the other guys have, and how much pressure do I put on this since they feel the pressure too now? Mm. So it probably puts you in a predicament. Like why go looking? Like, have you felt that like, or are you actively really still looking or is it kind of like, I'm not sure if I want to put myself out there again and experience this, this pain. I think since my last most recent relationship, it's been, I don't even feel like putting myself out there because that is the conundrum I'm in of, I understand that time is of the essence and I'm at an age where I can't just be messing around and date somebody for fun for a year and a half to two years. Um, But then, you know, with my ex, he was like, I love you, Alex, and I want to spend forever with you, but I feel that pressure of your timeline and I'm not on the same timeline. Even though he was older than me and in his later 30s than me, as a man, Today, he still didn't feel that pressure of I need to be married and have kids by 35, for example, right. whereas I, I'm like, if I want to have kids, I have to face that biological reality. Yeah. And so the guys complain that it's putting unfair pressure on them and it's not a natural pressure, Mm. that feeling um, to speed things along. And I'm like, but I don't have a choice. So, you know, pooper, get Mm. off the pot, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a big family. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting because, well, you said for guys, that's not a natural impulse. But I know a lot of guys who do want to be dads. Yeah. So like. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that of like, okay, why are the guys that you're finding aren't really necessarily interested in that? Or that timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you? Where do you meet these that's, guys? That's a value. That's a value yeah. thing. 
Okay, so I have met guys and gone on dates with people in every scenario that you can think of. Okay. Being set up by friends, people I've met at church, meeting somebody out, uh, somebody at work. Um, I've gone on a reality dating show. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I have done everything, everything. And that's, and I've also been, I think, pretty good about dating different types of guys. Okay. So I have tried to date guys that are same religious beliefs as me, different. Same political views as me, different. Skinny, fat, <laughs> tan, not tan. Every race. I mean, I have done everything. So I feel like, you know, people are like, don't be too close-minded. You know, don't have, like, a certain list. I have a big picture list, but I've okay. tried to give myself wiggle room to, you know, see if that opens more doors. Sure. And no matter what I do, it doesn't seem to work so it's it's all ending in the same way even when I feel like I'm following the right rules of only a Christian only a conservative Mm -hmm. either way it's panning out the same so then I start thinking okay well this must be a combination of my personality is driving guys away and or maybe they're not ready Hmm. for commitment okay because you've you've kind of outlined the common denominator of commitment you said all of these guys and how many at this point, like a range. I have only been in serious relationships since I was 15, pretty consistently. I mean, there's been periods of singleness in between, okay. but I, I always, if I'm dating somebody officially, it's always long-term. Mm-hmm. I would say sign- probably my twenties, three or four significant boyfriends mm-hmm. in relationships. Okay. Mm. Okay. So three or four and all, all three or four of these guys have said common denominator here is I'm not ready. I'm not ready to follow that timeline that you, you are, you're ready to get married and have babies. I'm not. Hmm. Is that right? Correct. And I feel like I say, Hey, you know, if we start dating and it's serious, I really don't want to date for longer than two years before start starting to think about engagement. And they usually always say that they agree with that timeline. And then that's when they say no. (laughs) Cause I, I, we, we totally agree with that timeline. Oh, yeah. I think that if you don't know within two years, then. Yeah. I know. mean, and we, we even said on your podcast, like, no within a year even, but dating a full two years makes sense. Um, but making it longer than that, really, there is no point mm. for most couples. Yeah. And, and you've said that to these guys. They agree in the beginning and then it starts to change. Their, their tune changes six to 12 months in. Well, the caveat is they all say, well, I'm not ready for that sort of commitment because I am not making X amount of money a year because I want to have this much money in my savings account so that I can have a house and have a family. And there's always seems to be, I would say with millennial men, Mm -hmm. what I'm noticing is they have this uh, certain number figure that they feel like they need to achieve or they can't even think about having a family or getting engaged which is so different from previous generations I mean my parents were dirt poor when they first got married Mm. and you know eventually once they had me and everything I always grew up in a I would say a little above middle class family but Mm -hmm. um, we weren't destitute but when my parents first got married I mean they pretty much had nothing it seemed like The goal was in previous generations to get married and then figure out those life hurdles together. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it seems like both men and women are trying to achieve certain life milestones apart. And then they think if I hit these different steps, then we can get married. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's pushing timelines so far back. It's true. Yeah. And I wonder if these guys, 
and I'm saying the ones you've dated, but guys in general, like see a woman who is successful in her own right. Yeah. Um, and, and are they a bit intimidated by that? You, you mentioned personality, but I don't know that it's personality as much as it's other factors. Yeah. Well, when I say personality, I always think compared to a lot of other women, I'm so sure of myself in in a way that I almost wonder if it's detrimental. So mm. like I know what brand of baby food I want to give my kids <laughs> one day. Like it's it's um, it's honestly psychotic. I can at least admit that about myself. But I know so much. I, I know where I want to live, how I want to school my kids, things that most women in their, you know, even in their 20s and early 30s, probably until they have the baby, don't even think about. True. So I have in my mind pre-planned so much of my life mm-hmm. so that when these subjects come up in dating of what do you think you'd want with this and this, I have like every answer figured out. Yeah. And so when you say it, maybe that intimidates guys, I almost think that my weird small things that I have figured out might be more intimidating than the amount of money I make or what I do for a living. I've always kind of wondered that, you know, like she already knows what she wants and everything. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. it's a both end. Yeah. Because like, I'll speak from my experience here. I totally fit that millennial my or did fit that millennial mindset of like, I need to have everything figured out because I'm marrying this amazing person that like knows exactly where, where she wants to go in life. This is very much Carissa. And if it wasn't for my dad who came out to us when we were in Oregon and said, um, have you guys considered came getting... Came out as in we were sitting Sorry. on a picnic blanket yeah. and he came out of the house and talked to us. Not came out in another way. Yeah, he, he could see, <laughs> but he could see love in us. And yeah. we, we were very committed. We wanted each other, but we were holding ourselves back for this um, ethereal number that was in our head and my head that of like, I need to have this and this and this. Mm. Because if money spell success if a car or what my material possessions spell success for me Mm -hmm. then how am i going to bring a woman that is successful how i view her and offer quotes air quotes here nothing Mm. so then therefore i need to have something to offer in order to feel that we're evenly matched even if i'm bringing my personality and my love my everything that you would want i'm still holding myself back because i don't see myself as enough. Yeah. So part of it could be the money piece, but I like what you said, Alex, that maybe the intimidating factor is not so much the money, but it's how confident you are. Mm -hmm. You figured things out to some extent and, and they catch on to that pretty quickly and maybe they haven't as much, Mm -hmm. even if they are successful or making good money. They, I mean, their questions are like, how many kids do you want? Yours is, are like, well, I know what kind of baby food I'm going to give those kids. Do you want to hear their names? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I understand that a guy's the progress or I should say the I understand that a man is supposed to lead in a relationship. And so I often wonder and doubt myself am I coming to the table and almost leading because Mm -hmm. I have so much figured out from the get-go, but I don't know. I don't know if what, Mm -hmm. if that is a um, strength and a bonus that I have all of those opinions or if it's hurting me with men. Uh, So, I mean, well, something's not working out. Something could be hurting (laughs) you regarding those opinions, but that's not a reason to disregard those opinions. Not at all. I mean, water finds its equal. And so if your waters are so deep and the man you're talking to does not have those deep waters, that's not going to work out. Like either he needs to come deeper to find that equal with you or you have to get shallower 
And I don't think that's an option for you. See, and that's I've tried that before, too, is, um, you know, I, I'm saying what I think about me intimidates guys. But also there's been different things that I couldn't get past with guys that I've dated that were serious relationships, for example, physical attraction, or I didn't feel like they truly understood what it means to be saved and being a Christian, even mm -hmm. if they said they were a Christian, right. you know, there were there were like theological differences there and what we yeah. believed, you know, yeah. do you believe that everything in the Bible is true in the word of God? Well, no, I think some stuff's up for interpretation. Mm -hmm. Those differences would hold me back as well. Yes. Um, and so <laughs> there, there, there's a myriad Which, okay, of different so issues. This begs another question. Okay. If a guy says, yeah, no, I think there's some things that are up to interpretation. I don't know that everything in the Bible is true. And you hold a different value there. To me, that's just the surface data. Like, I wonder if underneath that, what's lacking is this discussion of your spirit walk. Like, if they don't believe that everything in the Bible is true, like, for instance, let's say they don't take miracles to be literal, you know, like maybe it was a figurative uh, Jonah and the whale, uh, just to give a random example, right? What else does that say about their application of scripture, which is your value system? That's your worldview. What does that say about their application of those things to their life, their lifestyle? And so the first piece of this is you defining what that means. Like, have you taken time to define how do I apply scripture to my life and how mm. I live out my life? So I wonder, um, that's a question for you. Have you taken time to like think through that thoroughly? Probably not. <laughs> Probably okay. not. Um, that That is definitely, I, I think sometimes I get caught up in, I have this standard of what I know I want my future husband to be like with his walk. And I also simultaneously, I feel a little bit hypocritical because I, I know that I'm not meeting that standard for myself and my walk. So I often feel like maybe my singleness is a punishment because I'm not a good enough Christian. Hmm. Ah, okay. Interesting. You start viewing it through the, the lens, a punitive lens rather than a lens that calls you relational and relational growth with God. You know, Alex, and, and I'm going to use scripture because I know this is your worldview. Scripture gives us a parallel of like our relationship with God needs to mirror what a relationship looks like with a spouse. And I wonder, not from a punitive lens, but I wonder if God is calling you to a deeper intimacy with him. Mm -hmm. And only then would you know what that intimacy feels like and what it when it clicks and you know it's right and they know it's right because it's that reciprocal mm -hmm. intimacy with a future spouse. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right on that for sure. Because mm. it's, it's hard for me to, you can't ask somebody to do something that you're not, you're not meeting that standard either, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and like you said, you feel like that hypocrite, that's a barrier. Yeah. So you're setting up those barriers that they probably feel too, like how I can't get close to you, Alex. Maybe that because of those feelings that that does create, um, I think it was Esther Perel that said that secrets are the buffer to intimacy. Mm. And this is a thing that you're still trying to work out. It's not necessarily I'm holding withholding a secret from you, but you're right. holding parts of yourself. Mm. And feeling like a hypocrite is actually shameful. So we, we feel guilt for what we've done, 
but we feel shame for who we are. And so when I feel shame, shame isolates. Yeah. I pull myself back because it doesn't feel good to sit with shame. So that could be another aspect of this that. See, and the way that I, ra- I think you're absolutely right in mm-hmm. hearing you say it is really clicking for me. And the mm-hmm. way that I rationalize it in relationships is I say, okay, but him and I, we can go through this together. Like, I almost feel like sometimes I need to start my walk all the way over. Like, mm-hmm. I need a clean slate and I need to start over. And if mm-hmm. we get married, then we can go to church together and we can get involved in a, you know, in a small group together and we can do mm-hmm. this stuff and learn together. And that's how I tell myself, like, well, they'll be my accountability partner we can help each other do that and so those are the excuses that I think yes. that I make yes. yeah when you when you're speaking from that part of yourself this this comes from an idea called parts work so just to kind of give a, a preface that we have different parts of ourselves at play and we could want two things at the same time because we have parts of us and this is b- biblical by the way you know Paul says the good that I would, I don't do that. But that which I don't want to do, that's what I keep doing. You know, so he talks about these parts within him. Um, So from your perspective, you have this part of you that says, yeah, I I want to grow together. I want to start all over and grow together. What would you label that part of you if you had to give it a name? Well, I would, I mean, I would call, I would say it's my walk, like my walk with Christ. Is that what you mean? Okay. Yeah. So, but there's a part of you that says the walk should look this way. And then there's a oh, part of like you that my says conscience? the walk should look. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. My, my intuition. Yeah. I'm probably not answering this question right. No, there's no wrong answer. Yeah. So, so maybe there's an intu- intuitive part of you that says my walk should be A. And then there's another part of you, and this is what I'm getting at, that says my walk should be B. And that mm. looks like, I don't know if I'm capable of, of getting that deep on my own. I want to I wanna maybe start over and go deep with a spouse and like start, oh, like that starting over concept. What part of you is that? Jeez, so, it's so much, <laughs> so much of my life, so much of... Um, I mean, I just, I feel like I do everything wrong. Hmm. Hmm. Where did that come from? I just see, sorry. It's okay. Take your time. I just see other you know, Christian friends of mine and stuff. And I just feel like they just have it. They are just so much better in their walk, like making sure that they spend time, you know, in the word every day before they start their day or, um, I don't know, being better about like cutting out certain types of friends in their life or, Different things like that. Like sure. just little, th- little things that, you know, you want to yeah. be better about as a Christian. Yeah. I, I just think it's like normal everyday things that I just, I compare, I compare myself a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I also feel like, I also feel like I have trouble sometimes in, with deeper, um, deeper theological subject matter, understanding okay. it. And I feel like I still don't have even 
a great like basic grasp on different things to be able to explain it to people. So like when okay. I'm witnessing to people, sometimes I struggle answering hard questions. Okay. And so so I I hold myself to the standard of like other Christians I know. And I'm like, well, they would be able to answer that so much better than me. I'm not, you know, I'm not a good enough Christian because I can't answer that question, mm -hmm. for example. Yep. Mm -hmm. it, yep. It's things like that. Sorry, I'm not really yeah. good at That's exactly, <laughs> no, you're answering it. this exactly on point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just little things like that that I'm like, mm -hmm. I should be better at, you know, I haven't felt like I found a church that I love where I live. That's been a huge thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say as examples in this list of, well, you used a superlative. You said, I feel like I do everything wrong. But this list of everything that, that you're giving, these are all fruits. These are all outgrowth of something that's planted deep inside. And, and I don't know that you need to be focusing on all those outgrowths mm -hmm. quite yet. I mean, it's always good to spend time in scripture, no doubt. Um, but this idea that like, oh, my other friends like do X, Y, and Z and I don't. They're at a different point in their walk, potentially from a seed that's been planted mm -hmm. and a spirit walk that they have. And, and I think I would be more concerned to ask you about that as opposed to all the fruits, all the, all the stuff, right? The outgrowth. So let's, let's go deeper. Talk about your spiritual experiences. Like when was your first encounter with the Lord? Well, when I was six years old, I went to a revival and um, I remember asking Jesus to come into my heart then. Yeah. Short. I grew up going to assembly, uh, assemblies of God churches. That's what mm -hmm. my family went to. Mm -hmm. Then eventually that changed into non-denominational. And uh, I remember going to revival, asking Jesus to come into my heart. Um, and by the way, that's something too. I did not even know I did not even know until a couple years ago that that wasn't that wasn't the full picture, like literally saying like, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. That is not enough of being That's saved. Right. Yeah. And I think that overwhelmed me to find out a couple years ago that, oh, this whole thing that I believe my whole life, because this is what I was taught, is not necessarily totally true. Mm. And so now there's a lot I haven't. Like, I worry, like, I haven't done enough or, you know, I haven't done the full steps or I don't know. I'm yeah. saying this terribly. Yeah. But no, I get exactly what you're saying. I thought yeah. that was enough my whole life being a teenager, you know, and that's go. I grew up with very Bible believing parents who were yep. very in the word, prayed over me every single day before I went to school, was yeah. going to church every Sunday, youth group every Wednesday, all of those different types mm -hmm. of things. I just had no idea that it took more than that until very recently. Then I felt overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, I've been living my life so yeah. wrong the entire time. Now it's mm. like too late. Ah. Mm. And that's what changed for you a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. This idea that it's too late. Wow. Yeah. You, so you realize that, Alex, that that's what changed a couple years ago? Well, yeah, because the first time I heard that, it was I was shocked. Yeah. So it was, I think I've been trying to play catch up. And so that's where I get this feeling of not feeling like I'm doing enough or that I'm not good enough. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. And 
if you hear it, like a lot of that, what I'm hearing is shame. Mm-hmm. Is you're in, in your language when you're like, I should be better. I should have done this. I should have known this. It's too late. Yeah. I mean, you know that that's not the only way of looking at this. Right. We could say that God is calling Alex deeper. He's deepening her work. He's calling her. He's inviting her into a relationship. Yeah. And he's waiting. He's wanting, like, he's wanting to be vulnerable with you. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. Go ahead. I think I feel when I think about that and I do try to go deeper in those feelings, it's a very overwhelming, all consuming sense of pressure of, now I have to really dedicate myself to being able to measure up and meet that standard. Mm. Mm. And it's like very scary to do on my own. And so I think that's why I thought if I can just get a guy that is willing to do that with me, then I'll have them there to hold my hand through it. Yeah. Like if I'm going to do a radical life change in so many aspects of my life, I want to have somebody to do it with me. Like it's scary to think about doing it alone. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is scary. Yeah. And and truly that vulnerability that you feel when you say doing this alone, those words, that's the vulnerability God's calling you into to do it with him. And and seriously Alex, you have and I know people have said this to you, so it might sound like a like a repetition. You have so much going for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have influence on so many people and their lifestyle, their belief, their value system. And God is calling you to minister to those people in a way that you've never ministered to them before mm-hmm. because the deepening of your intimate life with God. Well, the Bible says See, that, that deep yes. calls into deep. Yes. <sighs> and that freaks me out. It mm-hmm. freaks me out to feel like I have to be that standard or that person for so many people, mm-hmm. like for that, um, it feels like a burden to be able to measure up and be that person. Mm. Like, cause I feel like I'm going to like, I fall short. I'm not perfect. I can't, I can't be the person to lead people into that. Mm. Mm-hmm. That is the scary part about my job. And then, I mean, cause I think about that all the time. Yeah. I think about the impact of the things that I say and sure. you know, how yeah. young women take things, you know, that are on my shows and different mm. things like that. Yeah. And so I often wonder, well, if I'm not able to meet this standard in my faith, because to me, I feel like it, it, it's um, to me, I feel like my walk or to me, I feel like me being able to get these things that I want that I want in my life, like being a mother, like being a wife, that's all contingent on my walk. And mm. that if I don't meet those standards Mm. to get what I want that, you know, in my mind, God is keeping this from me because he's waiting for me to do better about Mm. uh, my walk with him. Okay. But pause, you said, do waiting for me to do better. All of this has been in the vein of being a human doing rather than a human being like, what if God's not calling you to do right now, but what if he's just calling you to be with him? Mm in a deep, intimate way that doesn't have to have pressure attached to it. There is a burden attached. It's a, it's the Bible talks about it being a yoke, right? Like, like an oxen that's yoked, um, to carry a load, carry a burden. And the Bible also says that, you know, when you're equally yoked, when you have that oxen that's carrying something with you at equal distance, 
um, that you're going to be so much more effective. But I, I, I don't know that you need to be seeing this through the lens of you, your works, your doing. There's, a, there's an answer you give to God in his calling of you. And that's maybe part of what you do. But everything else is up to God. Like, like mm. do you trust God, Alex? I obviously want to say yes, and I know the correct answer is yes, but I wonder if all of my doubt surrounding this whole big what if about getting married, if if I don't, because I freak out and I wonder if I need to tweak things in my timeline to just make that part of my life come faster, even if maybe that's not necessarily God's will, like making compromises with guys I date in their faith and thinking like, well, if they're not where I think they should be in their walk now. Like maybe we can just get there later doing those types of things. Yeah. But you're, you're not willing to settle for that, even though that's crossed your mind as a possibility. Cause you could, you could get a lot of guys like, let's, that's not let's be, be real. Issue. Like, yeah. but you're not willing to compromise that. What has, uh, sorry, well, I, I know I'm asking lots of no, questions. It's okay. But what I'm seeing though, is like you have this call mm -hmm. to go deep. You do because of what you do who you are, mm -hmm. the values that you uphold. And so you see this, like I have this very undefined thing up here, standard mm -hmm. that you're having to get that, that you're worried about. If I don't get this, I'm not getting a husband. And yet it's very scary to go for that because it's so undefined and up there. That's not you. Mm -hmm. So, and then you're asking a guy to be like, okay, I want to get there. Here, can you put this yoke on with me? That's scary. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if I have it wrong. Like if this feeling that I have inside of wanting to be a mother, what if I'm not called to be a mother of a biological child? What if, you know, God's will for me is that I'm a podcast host and my mothering or, you know, mentoring, so to speak, in my life is through the audience of my shows. Like I wonder if the way I'm interpreting my desires is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I walk, I'm a, by the way, I'm a very much a warrior and an overanalyzer <laughs> if you can't tell. <laughs> so I go into all of these different scenarios of how do I know that, you know, I even have it right that I'm supposed to be married and, and have kids one day and be a mom. What if I'm supposed mm. to host this podcast and speak to thousands of young women across the country about mm. various subjects? And that's mm. what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And that's a possibility. And I think your overanalysis allows you to see all the possibilities, but I don't think that that's, that's the focus right now. And I, and I think you're starting to see that we're, we're not necessarily looking at the interpretation of, of possibility and outcomes and fruit and, and doing works, you know, we're, we're looking at first the inward parts. You got to remember too, yeah. that God's not this, taskmaster up in the sky with a ruler yeah. that says, oh, Alex, nope, pow, you know, <laughs> you're not, no husband for you. You haven't prayed to me today. Yeah. It seems to me that it's your own standards and your values. And then God's call that God's calling you that that's scary to step, take those steps toward it. Um, but yet God's calling you to that. And that's scary for you. Yeah. And I think it's scary for a lot of people to follow that call because it's unknown. Um, 
But I know that God is a good and perfect father that wants to give you the desires of your heart. I mean, you're a mom. You figure out the baby food. <laughs> but you're still going to want to give your, your, your children the best gifts possible. Yeah. How much for, more does your heavenly father want to give you what you want? Mm. You know? And so maybe it's developing that relationship that he knows there's such this, there's this perfect, not perfect, nobody's perfect, but <laughs> there's this really great guy on the other side of this that's developing himself. Mm. And maybe as he's developing your, his himself and you develop yourself, or as you're developing, you find each other in this walk. Yeah. But it's very hard, I think, to start before you take the walk of like, hey, I see this thing that I'm being beckoned to. God's calling me to here, put this on with me. Let's, let's do this together. Yeah. And they're not ready for that. They don't have that call maybe, or they don't have that vision for what God is, that potential that God is saying, yeah. here it is. And, and that part of you, Alex, that says like, maybe I should just start over and start from ground zero with this guy and we grow together. I think it's coming from a good place. It is. But I also think it, it could be faulty thinking, you know, like starting over and growing with someone from ground zero might only put you here in your growth. But if you guys individually have already grown all the way to here and then you come together, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Mm. And so now you have explosive growth because you're right. You need to continue growing. You need to go to small group together and lead this thing and plug into that thing. But if your walk with God has already grown here individually, like you guys have dynamite power jointly. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, um, given me a lot to ponder and, I think you guys have done a really good job of saying out loud what I've known, but haven't mm. been able to say out loud. Mm. Ah, good. One thing that I would, I would um, encourage you um, is you have these thoughts that come through, which we call like automatic negative thoughts yeah. or ants, if you want to put a <laughs> term on it. And they will, these are the things that have been kind of guiding you to stop and hold yourself back from deepening that relationship and their, their negative cognitions, like the shoulds that, that we kind of pointed out yeah. earlier. Like I should do this. I should, I'm not doing this and I should, those things are holding you back. But also these ideas or thoughts that are untrue about yourself that you're telling yourself, mm. those are also holding you back. Yeah. And then if we can actually identify those, and then start to put scripture in. What is the truth about Alex? Mm. What is the truth about God and how he views Alex? We could start to re, you know, correct some of those, those running behaviors and start to run toward God rather than hold yourself back from that, that call. So, so a piece of homework for you definitely homework is that okay <laughs> i feel like i need to write a thesis <laughs> yes okay simple piece of homework for you why don't you spend some quiet time with god in the next day or two where you just say god who do you say that i am here's what scripture says you are find those truths god you are this this and that 
come up with, you know, three to five statements. God, you are these things. Who do you say that I am? And we can find that in scripture. God might reveal it to you personally, and then you confirm it in scripture. We're all about spirit and truth, right? There's there's special revelation, which is scripture itself. And there's general revelation that God gives us through our lived experiences. And he speaks to us in both ways. And so ask God to confirm that for you. Mm. Like, who do you say that I am? If you start with identity, Alex, your foundation will be so much stronger for figuring out all this stuff, the outgrowth, the fruit. Start with who you are, who God says you are. Hmm. And I know you know this piece, but part of that identity seeking is going to be repentance. You know, not just a simple, like you said, of asking God in, into your heart. That's that's good. Um, but scripturally speaking, like that isn't the full picture. Right. And so starting with God, like, here's who you are. Who do you say that I am? And God, I repent for everything in me that doesn't match where I've missed the mark. And, and so now we're focused on relationship. Or right? on the projected images that like projecting how I think you see me. Uh. But how do you actually see me? That, there, that could be very different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so in that list, that homework item, write down the contrast. Like here's how I think God sees me. Here's how I think other people see me. These men that I've had serious relationships. Here's how I think they see me. But here's here's what I know that scripture says. And here's what this new revelation I'm getting in prayer of what how God actually sees me. And writing has such a profound effect because when we're just thinking it, like you said, I'm an overanalyzer. I've thought of all these things. That is overwhelming yeah. because yeah. it's hard to grab onto these things. Like they're just out there, right? But when we... When we start to put them down on paper, we could start to look at, is this true? Mm. I could look at the lies and see them as lies, but maybe you've held these lies for a long time. And we didn't, we didn't have time. Sometimes we could go deep into his people's history and see like, here's where you pick this up. Yeah. Here's where you pick this one up yeah. of not being enough. Uh, you, you have to be perfect or you have to please you know, everyone, please everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause you're a very pleasing person. Although you stand for things. So you displease a lot of people too. Sure. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's beautiful. But as far as performance goes, would you say like you, you like to succeed? You like to perform. You like to be the best at what you do. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I think that yeah. comes naturally as somebody who's working in media or entertainment. Yes. I don't know what you would categorize what I do, but yep. um, all of that, you know, my entire career, my entire paycheck is contingent on the public's perception of me. Mm-hmm. That is that is an immensely crippling feeling at times. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. You so know, true. so true. Alex, that's another crucial point. If we had another hour, like <laughs> we would dive into that right there. So that I think that's another um, branch. Like if we're looking that, at this like a spider web, we have this core piece that we're talking about with identity and spiritual development. And then out from there, there's so many branches on this, this spider web. And that's one branch right there that you really need to dive into. So in future work, whether you're working with a therapist or processing with friends, pastor, I think you need to dive into that like public's perception of me versus my own God's perception of me. 
And when we could start harmonizing all these things into truth and not like have these random lies mixed with some values and, and truth, then you start feeling you will, you will feel like just you could conquer the world because like you have God's backing, you know, he's, he's the heavenly father. You'll feel that sense of security and comfort, but then also you'll be walking in who you're meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that's then you'll attract the people that see that in you and are willing to walk that road with you. That's so beautiful. (laughs) I'm going to give you a book recommendation. Uh, have you heard of Lisa Turkhurst? Mm. I haven't. Okay. She's a fantastic um, speaker, author. I think you would get into her material really well. Yeah. I, you guys you guys would probably click. Yeah. Um, but she wrote several books that you, that you would like. One that I want to recommend first is called Uninvited. Uninvited. And it's, it's really walking you through some of these steps of identity, uh, emotions that seem conflicting and worries and overanalyzing and what, what relationships look like when we're, when we don't have these things really aligned. And so I think that would be a good book to start with. Did it come out in the last couple of years? Yeah. Okay. I am not kidding you. I think I have that book. Oh my <laughs> I haven't goodness. read it. I think it's been one of my books that I haven't read yet. That's on my bookshelf. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to pull it right off the home. bookshelf. So I, know, I was now. like, okay, read this one. <laughs> I'm going to look, I'm going to look and see if I have it. If not, I'll order it, but okay. Uninvited. Okay. Yeah. Let's do Good. that. Yeah. And then you have that homework of some quiet time with God, seeking him in his identity of you, his identity of himself, you acknowledging that. And then that repentance piece. And remember, we're looking through the lens of doing, of being. We, we have been looking through the lens of doing. We want to look through that lens of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. I Absolutely. am. I just hope that this conversation was interesting for your listeners who are used to getting marriage advice and I have the opposite. <laughs> so no, hopefully this, this helped. Alex, a lot of people find themselves in your shoes, can relate with it in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing we like to ask at the end of our sessions is what's something that stands out for you in the session today? And there's no wrong answer. It's just like a takeaway that you have. Well, it really freaked me out in a good way when you brought up the example of, um, you know, for example, if you and a guy don't see the same way on Joan and the Whale, you had said that, that Uh specifically, that is the exact Bible story that my ex-boyfriend and I disagreed on that he did not think was real. And I did. Okay. There's so confirmation to me, for you. you go. That is confirmation of that. Uh, that was like a jolt of, whoa, that's weird. Oh. That's weird that she brought that up because oh. of. I, I literally just... thought when she said that, that's random. <laughs> no, that was the Holy Spirit telling oh. you to say that, that because I had just gone through that conversation. So, wow. Okay. Wow. There you go. Yeah, it means so much more, right? Than Jonah yes. and the whale. Maybe that's what we'll title this. Yeah. It means so much more than Jonah and the whale. I love that. Oh. You know, Alex, do this work. Yeah. It will be incredible just to sit down and, and to work through this. Yeah. Um, I can't tell. I, I have done this myself, these sort of, you know, mm-hmm. assignments myself. And it seems maybe on the outside, just like, okay, okay, fine. But then when you start doing it, it's like, Wow. You'll start mm-hmm. things, you'll see it lining up. And yeah. and the thing that we didn't really go into is 
when you line up your thoughts, if we capture our thoughts, the Bible says that take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, how do you take a thought craft of it? So, you know, mm-hmm. out there. But when you take it captive, we know that thoughts create feelings. They directly influence your feelings. So you start to feel when you have that true identity of how God sees you and you're walking in your purpose and you're doing in being in relationship with God and not trying to do things to earn it. Mm-hmm. When you do those things and you have those feelings of security and, and confidence and those yeah. feelings, how that makes you behave. So we know that thoughts cause f- emotions, feelings, which, which directly influence our behaviors your behaviors will start to line up with those. Yeah. And then as you do mm. the more behaviors, you'll have more thoughts. It's a triangle. It's, thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Then it's a cycle. Yeah. So that's called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. But that's the work. And yeah. after you do it for enough time, you'll actually rewrite your your brain. Yeah. Yeah. One can only hope. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I will actually shoot you a PDF of some common negative cognitions and many of them you've already stated about yourself and some powerful replacement cognitions from scripture um, that like who God says you are. And I think that will be a starting point for you in this spiritual work. So lies versus truth. That's right. Wow, so. you guys are the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you. You Alex. too. This hey, is so fun. And share with our audience. Is that where you're going to go? No, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say share with our audience um, your resources. Most of them probably know already, but for those who don't. Um, <laughs> for those who have been living under a rock for the last <laughs> little bit. Share about your podcasts and anything else you want to put in their hands. Sure. Well, my Instagram is real Alex Clark. And then I have a podcast that comes out every single Friday on any platform. It's called The Spillover. I have had Adam and Carissa on um, to give all of their advice for everything from dating to marriage, um, which is, was a fantastic episode during Valentine's fun. Day week that my audience loves. So I just interview people that have life-changing or jaw-dropping stories or expertise. Every week is completely different. It could be health and wellness. It could be a religious conversation. It could be true crime. You absolutely never know with my show. So it's a mixed bag of just very interesting interviews. Nice. Yes. Such really interesting stuff. It is. It is fantastic. I love it. it. Totally. And it's funny too, like when we you know, we're on your show. A lot of people that we didn't even know, like had this connection with you. were like, I listen to her show every week. I love <laughs> Alex. I can't believe you guys did something together, but you are, you are definitely paving the way yeah. in the conservative Christian yes. arena. A lot of young women, but young men too, that, that listen in. So thank you for the work you're doing, Alex. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I love that this conversation brought out some convicting moments and some learning moments. So there was all of it. Good. Right on. You're awesome. And I look forward to hearing what comes from this. Keep us in the loop with um, the work that you're doing in the spirit realm. So when we say work in the spirit realm, we don't mean, you know, like all the fruits and the outgrowth quite yet. Start with what how you're being, we should say, in the spirit realm and share with us any updates and new revelation. I will. Okay. We love you, Alex. Love Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs)